Hello, this is Jerry Hendricks. And Adrian Hendricks of Save One More Now Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to God and to human life than to bypass, by ignorance or rejection, His salvation that is only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. As we shared in an earlier message, Independence Day, celebrated by many countries throughout the world, recognizes and celebrates the anniversary of independence gained by each country from the rule of another. Independence allows the populace to exercise religious practices, economic enterprises, and other activities that promote and preserve life for the citizens. A few synonyms for the word independence are freedom, liberty, autonomy, and self-rule. A synonym is a word or phrase that means exactly or nearly the same as another word or phrase in the same language. Today, we will address the second of two paradoxes about freedom and issues associated with it. A paradox is a statement that seems to contradict itself but is still true. The first paradox we address in an earlier message is freedom in the world's system means being enslaved or bound to sin according to the kingdom of God. The second paradox that we will discuss today is the slave of Jesus Christ is truly free from sin's slavery of the world system. Both paradoxes are true. The world's definition of freedom demands that we cultivate and embrace independence from God. Of course, this would require that we live in opposition to God. We should all know by now that living this way will lead us not only into the miserable bondage of sin, but unless we repent and change our minds about what we are doing, living this way also dooms us to an indescribably woeful eternity without God. On the other hand, if we live in complete surrender to and dependence on Jesus Christ, the living Word of God, we will be free to receive blessing, fruitfulness, joy, and the contentment of righteousness, both in this life and in our future eternity. Today's message is entitled, Your Dependence Day. First, let's define a few terms. According to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, dependence means reliance, confidence, trust, a resting on, such as having a firm dependence on the promises of God. A slave is a person wholly subjected to the will of another, one who has no will of his or her own, but whose body and actions are completely under the control of someone else. The Apostle Paul declares at Romans chapter 1 verse 1 and Titus chapter 1 verse 1 that he is a servant of Jesus Christ. This same claim is made by the Apostles Peter, James, and John at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, James chapter 1, verse 1, and Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, respectively, as well as Jude at Jude chapter 1, verse 1. What were they talking about? The word rendered as servant in English is the Greek word doulos, which, according to Thayer's Greek definitions, means a slave, bondman, man of servile condition, or, metaphorically, one who gives himself up to another's will, those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men, or, devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. The key difference here between a slave and a servant, as the words are used, is that the servant willingly gives up the right to independent living and deliberately subjects him or herself to another's direction. This reflects a practice God directed the Israelites to follow through Moses. 
because a Hebrew slave's wife and children belonged to his master unless they were already with him when he became a slave, as he was set free in the seventh year of his service, he had to leave his family behind. However, Exodus 21 verses 5 and 6 records the exception. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. It is in this sense we believe that the apostles were seeing themselves They so loved the Messiah that they deliberately, willingly subjected themselves to his every direction and desire. And why wouldn't they? They all understood what Jesus had done for them as well as for the entire world. Paul himself says at 1 Corinthians 6 verses 18 through 20, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and who was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourselves, but to God. He bought you for a price, so use your bodies for God's glory. The greatest need we all have, whether we recognize it or not or whether we admit it or not, is redemption. Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines the word redemption as the purchase of God's favor by the death and sufferings of Christ, the ransom or deliverance of sinners from the bondage of sin, and the penalties of God's violated law by the atonement of Christ. We read at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7, 14, and chapter 4, verse 30, In Christ we have redemption, deliverance and salvation through His blood, the remission, forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings and trespasses, in accordance with the riches and the generosity of His gracious favor. That Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance, the first fruits, the pledge and foretaste, the down payment on our heritage in anticipation of its full redemption and our acquiring complete possession of it, to the praise of His glory. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not offend or vex or sadden Him by whom you were sealed, marked, branded as God's own, secured for the day of redemption of final deliverance through Christ from evil and the consequences of sin. The redemption Jesus Christ secured for us clearly points to our need to fully and completely depend on Him. His redemption provides Deliverance from the curse of the law at Galatians 3.13. Deliverance from bondage of the law at Galatians 4 verse 5. Deliverance from iniquity and wickedness at Titus 2.14. Deliverance from our enemies for his love endures forever at Psalm 136 verse 24. Deliverance from the pit of destruction and allows us to be crowned with his love and compassion at Psalm 103 verse 4. Our ransom from the power of death and the grave at Hosea 13 verse 14, our ransom from this present evil world at Galatians 1 verse 4. At 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 22 and 23, Paul reminds us, for a slave who has been called by the Lord is the Lord's free person. In the same way, a free person who has been called by Christ is his slave. God bought you for a price, so do not become slaves of people. 
Adam Clark's commentary on this passage says, The man who, being a slave, is converted to the Christian faith is the Lord's freeman. His condition as a slave does not vitiate any of the privileges to which he is entitled as a Christian. On the other hand, all free men who receive the grace of Christ must consider themselves the slaves of the Lord, that is, his real property, to be employed and disposed of according to his godly wisdom, who, notwithstanding their state of subjection, will find the service of their master to be perfect freedom. Those of us who are true Christians must realize we are not our own. An awful price was paid to redeem us. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, and Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 14 remind us of this fact. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 21 elaborate. You must know and recognize that you were redeemed, ransomed from the useless, fruitless way of living inherited by tradition from your forefathers, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, the Messiah like that of a sacrificial lamb without blemish or spot. It is true that he was chosen and foreordained, destined and foreknown for it before the foundation of the world, but he was brought out to public view, made manifest in these last days at the end of the times for the sake of you. Through him you believe in, adhere to, rely on God, who raised him up from the dead and gave him honor and glory, so that your faith and hope are centered and rest in God. Heaven even rejoices for Jesus' sacrifice for us all at Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. And now they sing a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to break the seals that are on it. For you were slain, sacrificed, and with your blood you purchased men unto God from every tribe and every language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom, a royal race, and priests to our God, and they shall reign as kings over the earth." Of course, it is only fitting as servants of Jesus Messiah. We follow the one who knew about being a servant because he himself was one. Matthew 12, verses 18 through 21, describe Jesus as the servant of God. He is my servant whom I have chosen, whom I love, and in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will announce justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or shout, and no one will hear his voice in the streets. He will not break off a damaged cattail. He will not even put out a smoking wick until he has made justice victorious. The nations will have hope because of him. Paul echoes this at 2 Timothy 2 verse 24. And the servant of the Lord must not be quarrelsome, fighting, and contending. Instead, he must be kindly to everyone and mild-tempered, preserving the bond of peace. He must be a skilled and suitable teacher, patient and forbearing and willing to suffer wrong. This mysterious accomplishment of Jesus was revealed as an example for humble, peaceful living at Philippians 2 verses 3 through 8. Don't act out of selfish ambition or be conceited. Instead, humbly think of others as being better than yourselves. Don't be concerned only about your own interests, but also be concerned about the interests of others. Have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Although he was in the form of God and equal with God, he did not take advantage of this equality. Instead, he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, by becoming like other humans, by having a human appearance. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. 
death on a cross. Paul explains how being a servant helps win souls for Jesus at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 16 through 23. I don't have any reason to brag about preaching the good news. Preaching is something God told me to do, and if I don't do it, I am doomed. If I preach because I want to, I will be paid. But even if I don't want to, it is still something God has sent me to do. What pay am I given? It is the chance to preach the good news free of charge and not use the privileges that are mine because I am a preacher. I am not anyone's slave, but I have become a slave to everyone so that I can win as many people as possible. When I am with the Jews, I live like a Jew to win Jews. They are ruled by the law of Moses, and I am not, but I live by the law to win them. And when I am with people who are not ruled by the law, I forget about the law to win them. Of course, I never really forget about the law of God. In fact, I am ruled by the law of Christ. When I am with people whose faith is weak, I live as they do to win them. I do everything I can to win everyone I possibly can. I do all this for the good news because I want to share in its blessings. Paul also goes into detail about the duties of Christians who serve masters and Christians who have slaves at Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 9. Servants, slaves, be obedient to those who are your physical masters, having respect for them and eager concern to please them and singleness of motive and with all your heart as service to Christ himself, not in the way of eye service as if they were watching you and only to please men, but as servants, slaves of Christ, doing the will of God heartily and with your whole soul rendering service readily with good will as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that for whatever good anyone does, he will receive his reward from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. You masters, act on the same principle toward them and give up threatening and using violent and abusive words, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. There are a number of benefits in being a slave of Jesus Christ. We will be with him forever at John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will receive you unto myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. We have something very special to look forward to at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 14 through 17. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, thus also God will bring with him those who die in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall by no means precede those who were dead, because the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the word of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. The all-knowing and all-seeing God intends for us to live in true freedom, which is only found in His Son, Jesus. As slaves of righteousness, we are free from the fear of judgment for sin. Romans 6, verses 15 through 23 tell us, What then are we to conclude? Shall we sin because we live not under law but under God's favor and mercy? Certainly not. 
Do you not know that if you continually surrender yourselves to anyone to do his will, you are the slaves of him whom you obey, whether that be to sin which leads to death or to obedience which leads to righteousness, right doing, and right standing with God? But thank God, though you were once slaves of sin, you have become obedient with all your heart to the standard of teaching in which you were instructed and to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become the servants of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will in thought, purpose, and action. I am speaking in familiar human terms because of your natural limitations. For as you yielded your bodily members and faculties as servants to impurity and ever-increasing lawlessness, so now yield your bodily members and faculties once for all as servants to righteousness, right being, and doing which leads to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But then what benefit did you get from the things of which you are now ashamed? None, for the end of those things is death. But now since you have been set free from sin and have become the slaves of God, you have your present reward and holiness and its end is eternal life. For the wages which sin pays is death, but the bountiful free gift of God is eternal life in union with Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 6 verses 18 and 22 explain that righteousness can be its own reward. And having been set free from sin, you have become the servants of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will in thought, purpose, and action. But now, since you have been set free from sin and have become the slaves of God, you have your present reward in holiness, and its end is eternal life. Jesus says that he makes us free at John chapter 8, verse 36. So if the Son liberates you, makes you free men, then you are really and unquestionably free. Other benefits of belonging to Jesus are deliverance from the power of darkness and forgiveness of our sins mentioned at Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14, justification, the act of grace by which God pardons the sinner and accepts him or her as righteous on account of the atonement of Christ, shown at Romans chapter 3 verses 22 through 24, adoption of sons shown at Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 and 5 to become God's purified people at Titus chapter 2 verse 14, to be sealed to God by the Holy Spirit, stated at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30. The closeness to Jesus we acquire by serving Him protects us from the enemy's constant efforts to lead us away from our beloved Jesus, as we are warned at 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1. But also in those days there arose false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among yourselves, who will subtly and stealthily introduce heretical doctrines, destructive heresies, even denying and disowning the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And if we are free from sin and bound by the righteousness Jesus bought for us, we must remember that and remain free as Galatians chapter 5 verses 1 and 13 tell us. Freedom is what we have. Christ has set us free. Stand then as free people and do not allow yourselves to become slaves again. As for you, my friends, you were called to be free. But do not let this freedom become an excuse for letting your physical desires control you. Instead, let love make you serve one another. Even though we see the benefits of serving Jesus, we must remain vigilant in our service. 
1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16 admonishes us to live as free people, yet without employing your freedom as a pretext for wickedness, but live at all times as servants of God. So then, we see that freedom and independence from God are really unholy traps of sin from which we cannot deliver ourselves. If we do not closely follow our Master and Lord, Jesus, we can get caught by a decoy, by discouragement, or by distraction. There are just and appropriate rewards for righteous living and for unrighteous living. But the most heartbreaking thing would be to miss Jesus and to miss being with him forever, not only because we really want this, but so does he. Freedom from God makes us unholy and therefore unfit and ineligible for the holiness of heaven. Eternal separation, which means you will spend eternity in hell, is not something anyone wants to leave to chance. Jesus tells us at Matthew 13, verses 49 and 50, So it will be at the close and consummation of the age. The angels will go forth and separate the wicked from the righteous, those who are upright and in right standing with God, and cast them, the wicked, into the furnace of fire. There will be weeping and wailing and grinding of teeth. Your decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or to recommit your life to Him can happen now. This could be the day that you finally free yourself of every burden and lay them at the feet of Jesus upon whom you can now depend upon for everything. He promises the blessed relief of freedom with this invitation from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you ever have any question about the difference between freedom and slavery, keep 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 in mind. The Lord and the Spirit are one and the same, and the Lord's Spirit sets us free. We at Say One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for His calling on your life. If you are faithful to spend time with Him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that He really loves you, and He has a purpose for your being here. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org. Our telephone number in the United States is 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask that you remember, Life is good. God gives life. God is good.